Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Purcell. And I'm Timothy Plain. Each week we discuss a different filmmaking topic or topics um, that are relevant to indie filmmakers. And, uh, you know, it's all about just trying to figure out uh, how to make movies and, you know, just the struggle of being independent filmmakers who, uh, you know. Without complaining about it. Without trying to complain too much. Yeah. I still keep thinking about, like, Jim, the way he said that to us. He was like, I'm not one to complain or yeah. something. Not that you guys are. Not that you guys are or anything. Yeah, because he said, listening to all y'all's podcasts, you know, I, I'm not one to complain about how hard it is. Not yeah. that you guys are, not that you guys are, but you know, it is hard and it's, and that's, and if it was easy, then everybody would be doing it. I was I like, well, know. yeah, yeah. I, and I don't want this podcast to sound like we're just bitching about it. I remember actually when we first announced we were doing this podcast, I had a few friends being like, oh, great. Another bitch session podcast. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, it's not supposed to be about bitching about it. It's supposed to be about acknowledging, uh, the struggle, you know, and, uh, how hard it is to get a project going and how to overcome those struggles. I, so I was on set on Friday and, um, you know, it was with a bunch of crew that I've worked with before. And, uh, I guess like three out of six were like podcast listeners. Um, oh, wow. and I didn't even know that, um, you know, two of them listened to it and I was like, wow, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. And they're like, yeah, making movies is hard. Like I like, they like really appreciated the <laughs> podcast and like talking about it. Cause they're all, you know, they're all crew, but they're also all filmmakers, you know, DPs and, and whatnot, you know, and writers and directors and, you know, they could all just relate to it, you know? And, um, I, fe- I felt like, Hey, like, you know, this is the core audience right here is the people doing it, you know? slaving away trying to get their projects made yeah well like we like we said when we first started it's like there's plenty of podcasts or interview shows where you can hear filmmakers talk about the success and like how everything worked out for the best but there's not a lot of podcasts where people talk about like the failures the things that didn't work out or the things that they're still struggling with and that's kind of what this is it's yeah it's supposed supposed to be a place where we can relate to each other. Yeah. Well, just because it's hard or you struggle with failure or whatever doesn't mean it's not still fun and, and rewarding. I mean, obviously, if we didn't enjoy doing it, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be doing it, right? It's not or not like oh gosh, it's so tough to be a filmmaker. Poor us. Like we get to make movies. It's <laughs> right. so t- it's so bad. I mean, but the, I guess the point is that you know it's not like you can just make a movie. It's like you you have to put it together and put your own everything into it. You know and you know, like, obviously, that's putting your own money up in the beginning. But hopefully, like, I'm trying to figure out how to do it not that way. <laughs> and <laughs> have somebody else pay for it. Yeah, exactly. And and just, you know, fig- figure it out um, one way or another, you know. Um, it's funny. I'm just going to jump into to one thing because it, it relates sure. to this. But, um, you know, I was talking to one of the guys who listened to the podcast and he was saying, you know, like he, he DP'd two features so far and he's DPing a third one. And mm-hmm. uh, I was asking him about how he got the funding together to do that. And, and uh, you know, it's like, well, the, I guess the director, like, you know, has a, a friend who's a, who's a millionaire or something or is a millionaire. I couldn't I don't really know exactly what the what the situation was, but basically he has independent funding. And he was like, yeah, it's like these filmmaking hobbyists. You know, it's like that's that's who, what what it feels like. People are making in the in the Bay Area. Like it's not yeah. actual real filmmakers. It's filmmaker hobbyists who just like get money together and just make movies because they love they want to do it. You know, and yeah. I, I thought it was a really interesting term because like 
You know, that's how I feel about it. I feel like I'm a hobbyist. I don't feel like I'm a professional filmmaker yet. Right, right. But like what separates the hobbyist from the professional? Is it like you have to make money on your movies or do you have to like be like Hmm. recognized by Hollywood as a success? Like, do you have to have your movie on Netflix? Like what, what is the definition of a, of a, a, you know, filmmaker, like a professional filmmaker? I think about, uh, I watch, watch Shark Tank a lot and, um, Mr. Wonderful always says, like, if your business hasn't made money in five years, it's a hobby. Mm, and mm. so when I think about that, I'm like, well, my business hasn't made money. Spin Dry Productions, if you want to call it, or Timothy Plain as a filmmaker, hasn't made money in five years. So it's a hobby. I think as soon as you're making money at it, like, I think you're more of a professional filmmaker than I am. Because you've actually been paid to make movies. Yeah, but the movie I got paid to make never saw the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You and still I got paid. I, yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, I did. I got paid, sure. But, you know, I didn't, um, you know, it wasn't much. And uh, it was more like, you know, I gave some of that money, put it in back into the production, which is stupid. But, you know, that's what you do when you're <laughs> when you care about something, you, you try to make it better. And then, you know, sometimes it doesn't uh, work out for you, which is too bad. But I don't know. I mean, I guess you shouldn't complain. Right. I got paid to direct something. Well, what, what, oh, poor me. <laughs> so yeah. terrible. Oh, oh <laughs> I got a budget. Oh, geez. Um yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I I wonder about this hobbyist thing, like, because you know, I guess I I have to be put in the same category because you know my movies aren't making any money or anything. Um, but I but don't you're know. getting paid as a producer, and you're getting paid as an editor, and you're getting paid as a script supervisor on like films. True. I mean, I'm working in commercial. I'm getting paid for commercials, <laughs> so I feel like I'm not really getting paid as a filmmaker. You're making it sound more gl- glorious. I guess I got paid a little bit to <laughs> to produce that short film, and um, you know, I got a. Uh, which which was great, and then um, you know I've gotten paid as a script supervisor, but th- that's pretty much where it ends. Like I haven't really gotten paid to do any anything else besides that one project as a director. So I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm going in the right direction. At least I hope I am. I I, I but I, I just the point is, it's like you know, like I'm gonna make a feature, and and then you know what category am I going to be? Should I be put under? Is it going to be hobbyist if as long, (laughs) unless I make money on it or something? I don't know. Like what's, I don't know. I just thought it was a funny term and, and kind of humbling. And, uh, you know, just, just to think of it that way, it's like, if you're putting your own money into it or you're, or you're raising the money independently and you're not making any money, like, all right. Yeah. Are you just a hobbyist? I don't know. And is that a bad thing? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess well, let me, here, here's how I would look at it. It's like, if you're looking at it as a job versus a career, right? Like what, what's a job versus a career? Like when does a job turn into a career? If you just have one job or you're like in your first job in the first year of your first job, it's not really a career yet. But once you've spent like five years at that job, and you've been promoted and you're like somewhere, then it turns into a career. So I feel like your hobby turns into a career as soon as you're far enough along in it that things are kind of like moving in the right direction. But if you just make one feature, that's not, I don't, you're not all of a sudden a professional filmmaker. I think you have to keep going. Right. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, it's funny because like my, I feel like my filmmaking is tied to my career in a lot of ways because, you know, I do the same sort of stuff for money for corporate jobs, you know, um, and I have these movies. So it's like, you know, I'm always talking about them. 
And it's always like a part of who I am as a producer and a filmmaker is like, oh, you know, he did these, he directed these movies. Like even the thing that I just shot um, on Friday, it's like I wasn't really directing it, but like they knew, they, they, they knew, I don't know if they'd really seen my movies, but they knew that I had made movies, at least some of the, so they're like, oh yeah, he's a director and a filmmaker too, so he'll be totally fine, you know, working with the you know, the different people, blah, 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 you know, so it just plays into it one way or another, you know? Yeah. Um, well, that, that happened to me yesterday. I was on a client phone call and at the beginning of the phone call, the client said, oh, hey, Timothy, your movie's almost done, right? And I was like, oh yeah, uh, actually it's done. And we were talking about my movie. I was like, that's so cool. Like, I'm not just a producer at the agency, but somebody also knows me as a filmmaker. Yeah. I so think that felt good. You know, like making sure that, that, uh, that, you know, people are aware of those things, I think is important. That like, you know, that it's important, important thing to you. So I don't know. That goes back to the thing we've talked about before, just talking about what you do. Yeah. <laughs> talking about it, putting it out there. So what's going on with you, man? What's, what's happening? I got another good piece of news. Yeah. Um, I loan won uh, a third place prize as best CG short. Let's see, best CG sci-fi short at the Atlanta Sci-Fi Film Festival this weekend. Oh, wow. Nice. Which was completely unexpected. I guess the CG bros, somehow they're like getting involved with film festivals and a lot of the thing, a lot of the videos that were submitted to the CG bros, they then curated and submitted to uh, Atlanta Sci-Fi Film Festival. And then they, they judged a competition and my film got third place out of a hundred entries. Wow. So that felt really good. Cause I didn't expect anything would ever happen in that movie. That's awesome. Well, I mean, and you said it has like what over 90,000 hits on uh, CG bros now or something. Yeah, It's like, it's around 90,000 right now. Wow. That's awesome, man. Well, that's funny. Cause you didn't even tell me that you were even, it was even in a film festival, but I guess you didn't know. About oh, I didn't it. even know. No, they, <laughs> they wrote me an email a few weeks ago and said, Hey, your film is like a semi-finalist or something like that. Can you record an acceptance video in case you win? I was like, okay. Wow. <laughs> so I, I recorded this weird like acceptance video. It's like, well, I'm recording this before I know if I won or not. But if I somehow won this, I would be like crazy because there's so <laughs> many great CG sci-fi shorts out there. Like the fact that mine won would just be insane. Nice. That's fun. Yeah. Do you so know if they yeah, played that? Yeah, I saw. I was looking at their website. I guess they had like a program where it played. Oh, your but yes. your your acceptance speech too, or oh, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if they played the top three or just the the number one. I'm not yeah, sure. That's funny. It's so funny. So that's kind of like the the good filmmaking news on the the bad part about what's going on with me right now is I'm just too busy. Oh, I have yeah. like too many jobs at work. The I'm finishing up uh, Cheetos Halloween project this week with the stop motion company in Emeryville, which has been a lot of fun, but really slow going process. Um, but we're done in a few days. And so that's like coming to a head with just uh, all the work that needs to be done to get it out the door. And then I'm starting a project for Adobe that is um, de- demanding quite a bit of my time. And then I got asked to direct a hidden camera st- kind of like I guess it's a spot I heard it might even run on TV and nice I've man. been kind of tied up with that too so it's like I have these three very different projects at work that are taking up a lot of my time and it's really hard to focus 
But if I can just get through this week, I think things will get a lot better. I just need to get this Cheetos thing out the door and then wow. I should be a little bit more freed up. And then also the other thing is I'm flying to Seattle on Friday because um, I have some family members up there on Bainbridge Island and I'm going to I uh, talk to a theater there that's going to let me show a spirit machine to them. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, there's going to be about 10 of us that are going to go watch it. Sweet, man. Um well, congratulations on directing another commercial. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that'll be fun. Nice. Is it for a big client, or can you say who is it? Who is it for? Or? It's a it's a pro bono thing, so it's a very small project. Um, but these are like the kind of these are fun projects because the people doing them at the agency are doing it out of the goodness of their heart, and it's for a good cause, and um, they just want to do it because they they like these people. So I think it'll be good on that front less less stress nice man because everyone's doing it for fun that's awesome well yeah sweet well it sounds like you know even the bad isn't that bad being busy isn't always fun but you know um <laughs> yeah it's i'm just than stressed being out slow <laughs> yeah i just feel overwhelmed i just feel like like i'm used to dealing with one project at a time so when i have this many things going on um a lot of times i just feel like i don't i'm not putting the right amount of brain power towards any one of them mm. and i feel like i'm just they're all getting cheated i'd rather just like be able to focus and really put the time and energy towards it to make it great yeah i know what you mean um i've i've felt that way before too just like trying to get personal projects done and then having work projects and you know everything is happening at once and it's like hard to to manage sometimes but uh you'll get through it man you know it's just like you know like i always feel like when you have a a, a deadline and you know that like in five days or six days you're going to be done with a project it's like okay just imagine what i'm my life's gonna be like in five days and how, <laughs> yeah, how wonderful right. it's gonna be when i don't have so many things to do <laughs> yeah. you know um nice man well the other thing you? Well, what's going on? Uh, it's funny. I want to say <laughs> from you're talking about recording the acceptance speech, I actually have to do something similar. It's not an acceptance speech, but um, uh, like two of my movies, uh, Strange Thing and Brother, are being played in Melbourne, Mel Melbourne, 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 uh, Australia in uh, like what? Like I think two weeks or something. So mm -hmm. they want cool. me to do like an intro um, to each movie. Um, and then they want me like a long version and a short version just in case. <laughs> so like one is going to be like, Hey everybody, like, uh, you know, I'm Art Purcell, director of uh, brother, blue, -de -blue, -de blue, um, hope you <laughs> like the movie. And then, uh, and then one will be like more of a Q and a style thing where I tell a story about the making of the movie or something. Um, how are you going to shoot that? I think I'm going to just do it on my iPhone. Um, and just do it in, um, you know, like a cool place. Hopefully, like try to find a quiet part of my neighborhood and shoot it around there just because I think it's way better than trying to do it in my apartment, you know, mm -hmm. that just kind of looks stupid. And You're not going to hire a crew and go, go <laughs> do it for real? No, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I have my nice camera. I could like use my C100, but that just seems like, 
you know, too much work, too much energy. Um, you know, and she, I know when I saw that, like, make a video, I was like, oh man, like, how polished is it supposed to be? Like, the easiest thing for me to do is just turn the camera on my computer and just talk to it. But that just doesn't seem like a filmmaking thing to do. Maybe I need to, like, do a big old setup and light it and yeah, be I, clever somehow. I just think getting in good light and uh, making sure that the audio isn't terrible, those, those are like the main goals for me. Um, you know, and maybe I do have to just do it with my computer in my house, but I mean, that would be, I think that would be a lot more lame, um, just because, I don't know, you want it to look somewhat good and interesting, you know, not just my big head talking to a camera, you know, like, hey, I'm anywhere. Like, I don't know. I think trying to show off the flavor of where you're from is cool. There, She was talking about some other filmmakers, um, like, who did things like that, like one person who did it in L.A., like just walking on the street, like somebody who did it on the bus, you know, and just, it just sounded cool to do it like kind of in, in life, you know, or in somehow connected to you as a person, you know, makes it more personal. Um, but I, I don't want all, all of them to be exactly the same or especially like not, you know, the brother and the strange thing one. I don't want them to be like in the same space because it just feels like less special. Um, yeah. Just walk so around is this the, the future of, of what we're going to be asked to do? I don't know. Like <laughs> keep creating content for people. Like I remember when I was in Cinequest, I don't know how many years ago it was, or um, and they they had like this sand disc contest where I had to like make a short film on top of the short film that they were showing. It's oh, like wow. wow, it's like extra work, work on top of work. You get to make a movie though. That's always fun. Yeah, for no money. Oh, they didn't give you a budget? <laughs> no. No. That's not fair. It's just yeah, not they fair. They gave me a phone. They gave me a phone to shoot it on. Oh, yeah. It was like, yeah, it, it was, the whole idea was that it was all stuff that was shot on phones. Oh, that's funny. That sounds like a stupid thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> no offense to Cinequest or anybody. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing, um, I wanted to just shout out uh, the Real Black Films um, event uh, happened I guess it's probably a week ago now, um, last Monday, and uh, it was a wonderful event, and Brother played, and um, it was a good collection of films, all local films, all Oakland made and shot, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was cool to see it with an audience, and a, and a completely different type of audience, you know, um, but it got a really great reaction again, um, you know, probably not as good as the Comic-Con one, just because I think... I think the nerds really, really relate to my movie in a, uh-huh. in a, in a big way. But, uh, but yeah, no, it definitely, definitely hit for sure. And people love the, 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 the final sequence. And, uh, you know, I got lots of compliments afterwards. So it was, it was a great event. And thanks to, um, you know, Charlize and the real black films people for putting it on and including me and all the other filmmakers. They were, they were really cool. So I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to listen to this who was there, but, uh, but yeah, but thanks. And oh, Mark Madrigal showed up, a uh, friend of the podcast. Oh wow! And uh, that was really cool because I was like talking to, to my crew because some some of the crew who who worked on the movie, they didn't get to any other screening except this one. So it was kind of fun for them to see it for the first time on a big screen with an audience. But then Mark walked in the room and I was like, oh my god, Mark! And so we talked and chatted it up, and he actually gave me some good fundraising tips. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna help me. A little bit. Oh, cool. Yeah, because... Yeah, he, he was telling me that he does some fundraising. Yeah, he seems to have a lot of experience with it, and I have zero. Um, and I I'm, I'm basically <laughs> don't know what the hell I'm doing. 
Um, I just know that I'm going to go out and do it. And, um, I was like worried that like now isn't the right time to start asking for money. Cause it's like getting near the holidays. And he was like, yeah, but you know, if you do it before Thanksgiving, like you might be okay. So I'm going to try to start before Thanksgiving and then kind of wait. And then maybe in the new year start again, you know, but basically like, you know, I think you have to take December off because, you know, holidays, just the wrong time to, to be, to be right. asking people for money. Um, one last thing I wanted to say just about, um, you know, it's really it comes from the real black films event, but like these barrier filmmakers, man, uh, it's really interesting because, you know, each of the, the four movies that were played were all completely different. You know, like one was a comedy, you know, one was another like kind of sci-fi drama, you know, um, and then, one was, um, you know, a kind of like a, a silent film, like a drama piece set to, to rap music and a bunch of different music. Um, and you know, that still told a story visually without, without words. And, uh, you know, they were all really great and really different and really fun. And, and like, you know, I mean, not to be a dumb, dumbass, but like my movie obviously was, well, not obviously, but it was the one that had the most um, production value, you know, like that, you know, the biggest crew and probably the most money put into it for, um, you know, for production value. I mean, another one definitely had, they, I mean, they all had, they all looked great, but like the point of what I'm trying to say is, yeah, where isn't, are you going with this? isn't to be a dumbass, which I already am, but it's more like just to say that. You know, you, you don't need like the huge crew to make a movie. You can just go out and make movies. And, uh, you know, that's how these people are getting them, getting their movies made. They're just doing it. And, uh, you know, I kind of was inspired to be like, yeah, I should just, you know, I just got to go out and do it, you know, especially with the idea of doing a feature. It's like, you know, like I don't need to like get all my friends to come out and get a three ton grip truck and all that stuff. I can just go out and make the movie, you know, like just get a few people together, get the essentials and just make it happen. And, you know, like you don't really need to put all that, that money into it. So I don't know. I was just sort of thinking about like, you know, just creatively, I should just free myself up more and just, you know, if I have a great idea, I want to do, just do it and not worry about it and not try to get a bunch of money to do it and just, just do it, you know? But then yeah. again, that goes against the whole feature film thing because <laughs> if I'm going out and making movies with with no budget and just doing and telling stories for fun, I'm not gonna um, I'm not ever gonna get the movie made. So I don't know. I think it's more like a lesson just to take into the feature. It's like, well, if I can't get my two hundred fifty thousand dollars together, uh, maybe I don't need that to to make my my first feature. You know, like what I've been saying for the last few weeks. Anyways, <laughs> it's still sinking in. I can tell. Yeah, but you know, it's just like watching those movies kind of like is like the proof, you know, is there. It's like, yeah, you know, you just need as long as you have good story and good actors, like you don't really you can you can do so much with so little, you know, like, yeah. well, I think the the lesson is, is <laughs> this is going to be funny. Like, I'm still talking about the stupid movie. The Spear Machine to me is like a big lesson in that, like, I, I went in with the story that I thought was going to be really good, but on the end in product i'm not super happy with the way i told it the production side of things like it's a super polished film and put it, there's a lot of resources behind it but i don't feel like that matters if you're not telling if like the basis that you're putting all that stuff on top of isn't like solid and you're not telling like a really co great compelling story so um 
I think story is where it all starts and you have to like, you have to have a really good story and, and don't try to hide it behind like fancy visual effects or fancy production values. Yeah, totally. It needs to be inherently interesting and engaging and you have to have a reason for telling it too, I yeah. think. Um, which I mean, I feel like you, I watch a lot of these sci-fi movies on Netflix and stuff. And I think a lot of them suffer from some of those problems, like not necessarily having mm-hmm. a, a really tight story in the first place and then not really having a, a big point, you know, to it. But yeah, well, I can say like, I'm, I'm guilty of falling in love with like the ideas behind spirit machine and that I just wanted to like see them come to life. And I, even though like I was pretty convinced that story was going to be awesome, I think I was more in love with the ideas that were in that story rather than really understanding what's going to make it a, a really great, compelling story. Right, right. So I think it's easy when you get into visual effects land to be like, oh, this is going to be so awesome. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be so much fun to like make this kind of thing. And it is fun. It is fun and awesome. But at the end of the day, you want audiences to engage with your movie. And the only way they're going to do that is if you're telling them something that they can care about. Yeah. But at the same time, then you see a bunch of these sci-fi shorts on YouTube that have like no story. Right. And they seem to do well. Yeah, but it's not that easy. You can't just do something that has no story and expect it to do well, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of those, I don't know. Who knows? You know? Who knows, right? Throw some action scenes together and then you have a great, and some visual (laughs) effects and then all of a sudden you get views. I don't know, maybe. Um, but is views does do views make it worthwhile I would say no I think it's more about the impact of a movie rather than the views yeah but how can you have an impact if you don't have people watching it you know (laughs) that's my counter (laughs) I don't know but yeah do views really matter in the end I don't know I mean it's hard to say right like you see a lot of movies out there online that have millions of hits do all those directors have uh, paid jobs and are are all their features getting made like probably not you know I mean maybe but uh, I'm taking the Woody Allen stance that's just like you make the best movie you can and some of them hit and some of them don't and you have no control over that and so rather than guess what people want just make what you want and see what happens yeah Woody Allen I wish uh, life was that simple <laughs> he's, he's he's always to already talking from a place where he's already allowed to make movies. I know he's already allowed to make his movie a year. Yeah, exactly. We're we're coming from the place of like, how do we make more movies? How do we get somebody? To pay how for do we our make movies? one movie? <laughs> how do we make one movie? Yeah. Um. All right, you ready to talk about this whole screenwriting contest dealy thing? Yeah, let's talk about it. So I like that the past two episodes now we're like talking about screenwriting. Yeah. It really shows the place that we're in. Well, you know, it's it's where we're at. And I think, you know, we're talking about story and what's important, you know, and, and, and how, like, you know, if you don't have a good story, you don't have anything. And, and obviously that all starts with the, the script anyway. So, yeah, you know, it's very relevant, um, you know, thing to talk about. Uh, but anyways, I mean, this this whole thing came from just like, you know, I, w- I put my movie on the blacklist. I've been looking around and like trying to figure out what to do with my script since I finished it. And, um, you know, like I've been very aware of screenwriting contests for the last, you know, however many years. But, uh, you know, I didn't really realize how deep it went until recently and how many different screenwriting contests there are, you know. And um, I just think it's a, it's a really interesting thing that like, you can go out to like, you know, these websites like uh, Screencraft and uh, Stage 32, and they each have like 
10 to 12 different screenwriting contests that they run all year round, you know? And, uh, and so, and then a lot of those ones are like all genre specific. So they have one for comedy, they have one for horror, for sci-fi, for romance, for drama, for big movies, for small movies. It's, it's all that's in there, you know? And, um, they all have a, a fee, you know, from 30 to 50 bucks to, to enter. And, uh, you know, I just, I've been thinking a lot about like these, these script contests and it seems like, I don't even know it, what it's all worth anymore. Like, I think back in the day, like when <laughs> yeah. there wasn't so many of them, you know, maybe it was more of a viable way to get in or, you know, like you could trust that like, oh, a screenwriting contest from, you know, a hot big eight, a big company or like a big institution like Sundance or Austin's like, oh, they'll, they'll actually help you out. And I mean, obviously those people still do those contests and maybe they are still important, but but now when you see all these other ones, it's like, how do you even tell if it's a good one or a bad one? Like, do you only take the, like, is, is it nickels or bust or are other, other contests even at all, like, viable or important? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know anymore. Cause I, I get excited. You get excited, right? Like, you see, a, you see a contest for a mo- movie genre or type that fits the movie that you've written perfectly. And then you're like, oh man, I should totally just submit it to this thing. But it's like, should you really like, like, is it like, what, what's going to happen? Like if you win, like, what does that even mean? Or like, what is your chance of even winning anyways? Like, is it so small that it's not even worth submitting, you know, at, at this point? Cause like, you know, all these contests are getting thousands and thousands of, of entries. Like, I don't know. I just been something I've been thinking about. And I was like, curious to know what you thought about this whole thing and like what your stance on screen screenwriting contests were. Yeah. Or is. I think there's probably two reasons that somebody would enter a screenwriting competition. And the first would be if you've been writing screenplays and you just want to see if you're good enough. Like, can you compete with other writers out there? Because there's so many screenplays. And I think it's really hard to know like where your writing stacks up against other people if you're not entering a contest. So if you can enter a contest and you can get into one of like the top places in it. I think that just shows like, all right, like like it can give you motivation to keep going. I think that's as good as it's probably going to get for most people. (laughs) And then the, uh, from what I heard on, uh, from, uh, from other, I think it's probably from the, was it a script notes? They had that agent on and I think they talked about screenwriting contests and he said, really the only one that matters to like an agent is the Nichols. Right. And not if you not if you're a semi-finalist, but if you win Nichols, if you're or you're one of the finalists. I think there's 10 finalists or something. Right. Um so that would be one if you're like looking for representation, that's probably the only one that really matters. I think the rest of them are just just to show like where you are in the scheme of things. Yeah, well, they all promise industry connections, right? Like they all promise Oh, the the t- the winner will get this and that meeting, or the top ten will be read by this or that person within this agency or that production company or, or whatnot, you know. And yeah, you, you just I don't know, like where do you? It's funny. It's like I think it's really tantalizing, you know. And it it makes it really like oh, I'll just if I just do this, then my problem, you know, my problems <laughs> will be over, and like I'll 
have an agent or I'll get the meeting that I've been dreaming of or the, the flight, the doors will suddenly open, you know? And I feel like that just doesn't really seem realistic for, you know, 99% of people who are going to submit to a screenwriting contest. I mean, yeah. does that mean that you shouldn't submit? I mean, probably not, right? That would be a very defeatist way to look at it. But I'm just wondering, like, is, is there other things that you could be doing as a filmmaker or a writer that are better suited, you know, are going to, you know, better yeah, use of showing time it money. to people that might that could potentially help you get your movie made. It's probably more valuable and it's going to be a lot cheaper. Um, all these contests have been around. The ones that you've listed here have been around for a while. So like on your top list, you say Nichols, Austin Film Festival, Page tracking B I haven't heard of script pipeline final draft script of palooza the zoetrope screenplays contest um I've heard of blue cat right that's yeah that was one yeah that's on the the list of the other ones the ones that are you know <laughs> whatever smaller or less uh less known or less respected um yeah. although, so I don't know all those have been around for let's just say all those have been around for a while and have you heard of any success stories coming out of them that success stories in a way that you're just like oh I look up to that person right yeah I don't I know I think there are success stories that come out of it but they're I mean I've I've you read the um what do you call those things when people talk about their success coming out of a contest press release <laughs> no shit testimonial you oh, see the, the testimonials, testimonials yeah, yeah like on the websites and they'll be like i got an agent after this or whatever but they're they're never anybody you've heard of right so, it's not like james gunn's on there like exactly if there's like a really big filmmaker that just found success through one of these contests you would think like oh maybe there's some value to it but yeah like james gunn for example started out at, at a production company didn't he work for trauma films yeah exactly yeah. yeah so it's like to me that's more worthwhile is to put yourself in a place where you can kind of be around the right kind of people and then he just got an opportunity to write a script while he was working there right yeah. That to me seems like a more viable way to get your foot in the door than to like enter a bunch of contests and spend a bunch of your money. Now, of course, if you're not living in a place where there's a production company like Troma in New York or like in San Francisco, I'm sure there's stuff. And in LA, of course, there's a tons of stuff. Maybe this becomes a better route. But because there's so many of these contests, and I, I feel like you can almost um, replace the word contest with film festival in a way. Right. That, um, everyone can then at a certain point claim that they've won something. And like, I get so sick of reading filmmakers bios that say like an award-winning filmmaker. It's like, everyone's an award-winning filmmaker at this point. It's right. not special. You should just take that out of your bio. And if yeah. you're a screenwriter, you should just take out anything like, um, uh, I was a finalist in Nichols or in blue cat or like I won Zotrop. Like it doesn't matter. I don't really, I don't really care about those things because almost ever, there's so many contests and film festivals out there that at this point winning one is not that impressive. Well, a finalist in Nichols is probably um, worth Nichols, but a semifinalist, semifinalist. Yeah, yeah sorry, every, semifinalist. Everyone's a semifinalist. Because <laughs> there's the like things. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds <laughs> yeah, of semifinalists. Yeah. yeah, that's what they were saying on the script notes. Is like, every, like you know, next person, who, like everyone who says they're semifinalists, like you know, just don't, just stop saying that. Basically, yeah, like it just it makes you seem lesser than you know, like 
it only really matters. Like, they're basically saying it only really matters if you win 90% of these contests. But, like, I guess the Nichols is the one where a finalist actually, you know, yeah, actually means like, something. It's true. Like, I think there's 10 finalists. And I think those ones people actually read. But, yeah, I've, I've seen the the screenwriters that have claimed that they're semi-finalist or that that script was a semi-finalist. Lots of then, fine people I've met have said that too. And I always find it very interesting. And I, and I, you know, pick their brain on it, of course, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it just doesn't really, it, it seemed, I don't know. I, I mean, at the time I probably was like, Oh, really impressed. Cause like, you know, that's better than I've ever done. Like, you know, I submitted to Nichols once and I, you know, never heard anything ever again. So, uh, you know, to be a semifinalist is like probably a forced a few stages up from me, you know? <laughs> Um, so yeah. I, I get who am I to look down on it, but I mean, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, it's one of those things you shouldn't say anymore or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard. I think you just, it's you, you want to brag about the achievements that you've made, but you also have to understand like where that falls into the larger world. And I think if you're going to brag about something, it's got to be something that people really care about. It's like, go ahead and brag if you won Sundance. Right. Or right. even if you like got accepted to Sundance, like that's amazing. But if you just won like a small festival, um, I don't know, think twice about it. Like, is that really going to be impressive to somebody? I that don't you know. Won, you know, won a small festival or won a screenplay competition that no one's heard about or that a lot of people win. You know, you hear all kinds of different things. Cause like, you know, that people are saying like, Oh, film festivals, like, you know, it doesn't matter how many laurels you have. If the film festivals are un unknown, <laughs> like if you have 70 laurels from like film festivals that no one has ever heard of, like, you know, that's not really going to do much for you. Right. But then I've heard other people say like, Oh yeah, like show off all your laurels. Like that's impressive. Like the more laurels, the better, like, you know, so I think there's just different differing opinions, you know? Um, I kind of feel like it's more important, like what laurel it is, you know, and, and what film festival it's from. Um, that seems to be more, yeah, like have more weight than just being able to say I got into like, you know, 20 different film festivals. Um, although that sentence is, is nice to say, you know, oh yeah, yeah, like my, you know, strange thing got into over 20 film festivals. Like that's <laughs> already like, a, you know, you just stop it there and that's impressive enough to like the random person, you know? Yeah. Um, what did I see? I saw like, I was looking at reels yesterday i think and i saw like a, a website with some short films and they had like one laurel on their film and it was like a recognizable film festival and i thought that's the way to do it like yeah. you just put one laurel the the best laurel you have and like i saw that and i just thought oh i'm sure that they won other ones but you know that's like their best one and that's smart just to put the best one on there rather than just like 10 smaller ones yeah i put three for a strange thing when yeah, i, I, I think was like perfect yeah these are the top three um the ones that have the best name or the most recognizable and i'll just put them right there and you know the ones i'm most proud of getting into and uh and then yeah that was it you know um yeah you think about like any major feature film that's won awards usually they'll just they'll say the biggest film festival that it's won yeah, you know, or Oscar like, nominated, you know, mm -hmm. or yeah. Oscar winning, and then they just they stop there. They don't say oh BAFTA or you know whatever right. else they've won. But every too. once in a while, you do see that film that has like all the laurels. 
Yeah. Have you I ever mean, seen that? It's oh, like a sure. poster that's just filled with like 200 laurels yeah. from like every film festival. But I think they've usually like won every single like top film festival too. I think that's a little, I don't know. <laughs> that's like heavy handed. Yeah. Like, it's a, wow, little, it's a little much like to just cover your poster. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, you're, you have a poster because it's supposed to be cool art, not to like throw all the laurels up there. Like who cares about, I don't know. I mean, I also think the the way of doing it where it's like, like you have a bunch of laurels like all stacked in, in a line on the bottom and then they're like fading in and out at the at the at the bottom and the top to like insinuate that they just go on forever. I don't know. Is that better? Probably not. I don't know. I just think I, I'm more with you. I like the one or two laurel idea or just like, you know, if you got into Sundance, Tribeca and Austin, put those three on there, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Like, I mean... Or like what Jim did, you know, he just just has Sundance on his poster, you know, and yeah, uh, and I'm sure he's won a lot more. Oh yeah, well we know that he's gotten to like a bunch of other film festivals, so you know he he played South by Southwest for for crying out loud, um, you know, but uh, but yeah, I mean that's like the kind of the classy thing to do because like once you've gotten the top, like. Who cares about the other ones? Although, if I got into Sundance and South by Southwest, you fucking better be sure I'd put both of those <laughs> on my poster. <laughs> like, I'm not going to shortchange my movie in that, that much. I don't know. Just because, I mean, South by Southwest has always been a, a, like a milestone for me of a festival to get into. But uh, I don't know. So but, what are we trying to say? I don't know. What we're trying to say is that <laughs> 70 laurels on a film poster is not our style. And uh, God bless all the other people who it is their style. But, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I think you got to be proud of your film and your accomplishments, but I think at, at some point, like there's like, there's, you know, a better way to, to, to display it, you know? Um, maybe anyways, I want to get to this next thing. So amongst, uh, all these screenplay contests, there's also this thing that I don't know if anyone else does this besides stage 32, but, um, they basically allow you to pitch, uh, different industry professionals, um, via Skype. So they have different people every day or, you know, every week, like three or four times a week. I think it's even every day. I don't think it's just four times a week. I think they got these going all the time. And the concept is, you know, this producer, this agent, this whatever, they're looking for scripts within this category. They're looking for a film within this budget range. And, you know, they're accepting pitches, you know, and you pay... 30 bucks for an eight minute session um, on Skype and you can do a, you can submit a written pitch if you want, or you can do a live pitch to their face. And, and on their website, they say that it's way better to do the live one than the written. Like there, there's a way higher success rate or whatever for the live pitches. And, uh, and yeah, I guess the idea is you, you pitch for like four minutes and then you leave four minutes for questions or, or two minutes for questions, whatever you want. And then, um, you know, like if they like you and they like the movie, then maybe they'll reach out to you. If not, you know, that's it. And maybe they, you get some feedback from it potentially, or maybe not even, I don't know. But, uh, I was really curious about this because it's like to me, this sort of removes the gatekeepers from the Hollywood system. If you can just pitch these different line producers, producers, agents, whatever, like people who are been involved with movies that have made money and that are like out in the world and they're looking for their next projects or whatever. I don't know. Does it seem like a viable thing to do? Maybe. Um, but I don't know. It also kind of feels like maybe it's, I don't know, like, 
maybe it's just a way of people collecting, you know, a lot, a lot of money. Like if you're going to get 10 people to give 30 bucks, um, over the course of whatever, two hours of a person's time, that's what, like, I don't know, $300, that's $150 an hour. You know, that's a pretty good markup for just, you know, sitting in front of a computer and talking to a camera. I don't know. What do you think about this whole thing? <laughs> uh, I, I have a hard time accepting anything that costs you money to play. It yeah. just sounds, it, 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 anytime I hear stuff like this, it just sounds like a scam. And I've heard <laughs> of, I've heard of pitch fest too, where you pay a registration fee and you go and you get like a certain number of pitches in front of people and then you can pay to get extras. And I, I think I've known, I know two filmmakers that have gone to do that. I know for sure at least one. And it just sounds like it no, nothing happens. Like the right. chances are that nothing's going to happen. You're just throwing money away. If you want to do it for the experience, that's fine. But from the way that I understand that the way the business works, it's about relationships more than it is about ideas. And I think you're just going to get so much farther if you can build relationships with people. Right. Rather than like get in get eight minutes in front of somebody, eight minutes in front of somebody, you just imagine like you're just you're talking to it's like speed dating, right? Right. You're you're just talking to a bunch of people for two hours. How is any one of those people really going to jump out to you over like some friend that you've known for five years? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it it has to be the idea right like it would have to be an idea that really syncs with the person who you're pitching to like if that idea that you have really really resonates then maybe you have a shot you know or if they just really think that you have a really great personality and really good energy that they that they're interested in they feel like you could be profitable then maybe uh you know they give you a shot or something um but i don't know like i guess for me it just sort of seems like maybe it's a good way to, to get some experience pitching to a live person, you know, because, you know, you can pitch to your wife or your girlfriend or your, your kids or whatever, your friends. But, uh, you know, if, if you're pitching to somebody who's actually an industry professional who like, you know, you've paid to, to get their time, you know, I think like the experience you're going to gain from that eight minutes, if, if you take it seriously, is going to be more valuable than the experience you'd gain from pitching somebody who you know, you know, in your living room, you know, because like you're not you're probably not going to take it as seriously. And, you know, you're not really going to be put under the gun in the same way. Like you're putting yourself under the gun a little bit by doing it this way. So I kind of feel like maybe maybe there is something to be gained from this, even if it's like, you know, putting out the door that you're actually going to get a deal from this or that you're going to, you know, your life's going to get changed because you're going to pitch this executive and they're going to suddenly stay like, oh my God, like this is the most amazing thing. Here's $200,000 to make your movie, you know, like, um, yeah, putting that out of, of the, of the realms of like, you know, reality, uh, maybe it's great just to get that kind of experience. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of more just curious about this thing that I just want to try it. I mean, it's only 30 bucks. Like, you know, if it's the right person pops up on there, why not? 30 bucks, give a little pitch, see what happens, you know? Um, yeah. Like, you know, I don't really have a big pitch for my movie, like lined out, lined up or anything. Like I, I could talk about it forever, but I mean, you know, I wonder what I'd even say in, in, in four minutes about it. I'd be like, I'd probably just give the premise, give the synopsis, talk about the characters, talk about like the point of why the movie is important to me. Uh, and then like tell them what I'm trying to do and what I need. And then, 
you know, ask if they have any questions. And I'll probably be done with that probably before four minutes, you know, um, which I think is probably okay, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm more like intrigued, but again, yeah, well, let us know if you do it. I would, I would never do it. You would never do it. No, it just seems like a waste of money. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, cause again, like I've never heard of anyone that's successful <laughs> talking about how they got discovered at a pitch fest right. or through stage 32 pitch sessions. Right. Just, I just don't think it happens. And I don't know why the people on the other end are like even listening to these pitches because it doesn't sound like enough money to like make it worth their time. Unless maybe they, if that's, yeah, maybe they don't have like full-time jobs and they're like, oh, I can get paid like $150 an hour. Sure. Well, they're not obviously not getting all that money, you know, <laughs> they, they're going to, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, I mean, maybe they're, uh, maybe they're like, you know, um, maybe they actually need some new ideas. Maybe it's an easy way to get, you know, pitch some, some kind of IP that might be useful. Um, I don't know. Like, I have no idea why these people are doing it. (laughs) Well, then you think like, all right, let's say they do find, uh, uh, then what's the next step? Like, then I wonder, are they asking people then to work for free? You know, like, is there like a downside to this too? Like, let's say you get chosen and like, they want to develop something with you. They're like, we're not going to pay you, of course, until we sell the script but you know if you if we can do some rewrites on this and make it better then i can bring it to somebody else like i just feel like there's something beyond this that's gonna get scammy it's already starting off as a scam that like like no one no one that has an agent would ever have to do this right which just makes me makes me skeptical of the whole thing well you know like they talk about these days a lot like you know people are getting asked to do free work all the time you know within the industry and they're constantly you know getting asked for like you know free rewrites or free free pitch like free um outlines you know like oh yeah that's a great great concept i love your your idea like we outline that and then you know send it over and let me, and then I'll let you know if I want to hire you to write it or whatever, like that kind of thing. And like, you know, I think that's like a big no, no, you know, as far as, you know, paid writers go. But I think people are doing that when they, when they don't have any other options or they just want to get that yes so badly, they'll do anything, you know? Right. So that's what I, I assume this is to find those people that are willing to just work for free and they, producers can get stuff developed for free and, and there's no cost to them. They're actually getting paid for it. And if things work out, then they have a screenplay they got written for free that they can get made into a movie. You know, I honestly feel like best case scenario here it isn't really that they're going to give you $200,000 to make your movie. It's probably more like they'll give you $20,000 to buy your script from you. And then, right. and then that's it, you know? And like, cause $20,000 is like nothing, you know, in, uh, you know, whatever Hollywood terms. And if they can just buy a a script for that little or whatever that they think could be an actual $1 million movie, you know, obviously they're going to do that. And, you know, maybe they're just buying scripts so they can, um, so they can just eliminate anybody who might complain about you stealing uh, them, stealing your idea. They just like, they're like combing to find similar ideas to something they're already producing. And then they're just like, let's just snatch up these scripts. We'll put them on the shelf. So that way nobody can sue us. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Uh, maybe that, that, I wonder if that, that probably is a strategy that some people do, you yeah. know, but I, I would say that 
all the things that you're talking about though seem that like they're much better suited for screenwriters and screenwriter careers than they are for somebody who just wants to go make their feature film yeah you know it's like you're looking for somebody to fund your film you're not looking for somebody to buy your screenplay so i'm not sure that contests or pitch fests are the the way to do those looking for a producer to produce my movie that's what i really want i want i want someone to you know see the potential of this project and uh you know, want to work with me and I help we already me got make the past this. I thought we got past this oh, idea of like finding a producer. You just got to do it yourself, Ulrich. Well, you know, um, yeah, true. <laughs> but, <laughs> just, but, just you know, do it. Just go do it. I mean, like, I think I, no more I, talking. If I can raise fifty thousand dollars, man, I think a producer will jump on board, help me raise the other, you know, whatever. The other thing I've been thinking about is like, you know, how much money do I actually need to to shoot my movie? Because maybe I don't even need to worry about trying to raise a full budget, the two hundred fifty thousand. Maybe I just worry about getting them enough to make it, and then shooting it, and then and then and finding finishing funds. Yeah, and then worry about the post later. You know, yeah, like, and then like hopefully. By that time, I have other producers on board who are going to be able to help me fundraise as as we're in pre-production and production. And so, like, we can keep on building the budget as we go. Because I think, like, you know, that the whole moving train thing, right? Like, once the train's moving, people get excited about a project and they want to be a part of things, you know, once once it's going. Um, so, I don't know. That's another thing I've been thinking about is, like, okay, what 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 is the, what is the number I have to get to to actually get, get started? And I think... I don't know. I think it's around 150,000 is probably what I need to to actually shoot it. But uh I don't know. We'll see, man. It's all it's all going to come together in the next, you know, 365 days. That's that's <laughs> that's my that's my feeling. Oh, um, cool. Let's we got to wrap it up cuz I got to head out okay. to work for an sure. early meeting. Sure. Um I updated the logo on the podcast to include the baby again. Oh, you did. Uh-huh. Wow, cool. Sorry, sorry, Tony. No, oh, really, Tony didn't like it. <laughs> Tony hates the baby. Look. Oh, really? Can you see that? Oh, yeah. That's great. I think that's better. I mean, I because I, I like the it's new just, font and I like the baby. I'm yeah, it's just the baby's so recognizable when you see it. Like when I'm trying to find our podcast and I'm scrolling through iTunes, if it's just the font, it gets lost. But that baby, it pops out and you just see it. And maybe maybe we'll take pictures of ourselves and we'll put ourselves in there eventually. But for right now, the baby's good. We should be holding the baby. <laughs> let's let's be do funny. that. Um, all right. Well, take us out. Oh, wait, do we have plugs? Do you have anything you want to talk about? Yeah, I wanted to read one review on iTunes. Do it. Did you want me to do that first or do you want to plug well, Luke I'm Cage? just going to say how much I love Luke Cage. I just finished it uh, two days ago. Um, I, I watched it in probably like, I think just about 10 days. Um, and uh, I thought it was great. Um, you know, not perfect, but I mean, I think the, the cast is amazing. Um, you know, the story was a lot of fun and it was, uh, it was, it was very different than uh, Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Um, so I think that was really fun. And uh yeah, the acting was great. I mean, all the cast is fantastic. And, uh, you know, the guy who plays the bad guy, Eric Lee Ray Harvey, um, I've had my eye on him for a while. He's been on my list of, uh, actors to play Jake, f- uh, for like probably two years now, um, since, uh, since I saw him on Boardwalk Empire. And so when he popped up on that list, I was like, oh, goddamn. Like the guy I wanted to like make big is now already in a big, mo- a big thing. And, you yeah. know. 
you missed too, your shot. Too late. But, but now I mean, that he's going to get so big on like this level, he'll want to do something more small and indie. Yeah, maybe. It's more of like a character piece. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and and the role is like way different than either of the roles he's played. Like this this other one was like more like like more akin to like Heath Leather's Joker, if if anything, you know, uh, just completely crazy and fun. Um, but uh, yeah, he's great, and uh, Mike Coulter is amazing too. And uh, yeah, really, really good stuff, man. So check it out. Cool. So here's a review on iTunes. Another five star review from the Bald Menace Productions it says, "I really enjoy listening to the podcast while working on projects around the house." The perspective of these two filmmakers has been super helpful, and I always look forward to each new episode. But not only can they talk, their work is quite impressive as well. I love Brother and Strange Thing, and I can't wait to see the spirit machine once it's made open to the public. Nice job, Tim. Wow. Awesome. That's really cool, man. Fan of the show, fan of the movies. Yeah, that makes me a very happy man. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny, we're talking about like filmmaker hobbyists and whatnot, and like where do we fall? But that guy just called us filmmakers, so does that, does that <laughs> yes. make us filmmakers? We're filmmakers you know? now. If, if that's what know. we call ourselves on this podcast, and then that's what other people perceive us to be, does that just make us, make? <laughs> does that make it so? So maybe, we maybe. faked it until we made it. Yeah, and we haven't even made it yet. <laughs> we're just still faking it. <laughs> but somebody, I was complaining about that to somebody, and they said, um, you're much closer than you think you are. And I think the point is, is that we may never feel like we've made it, but to other people outside of us, they might see us and be like, what are you guys talking about? You guys are in like such a good position. Like you guys are working, you're making money and you're being, and you're able to make movies like, yeah, you're not at the level you want to be, but you're still doing it. So we, we have made it in, in many ways, Ulrich. We're not where we want to be, but we have made it. We're doing it. Well, I, I like that. I like yeah, that positivity. Yeah, so let's end on that positive note. Yeah. If you've got a review, please uh, find us on iTunes and leave us a review. And uh, you can also leave a review on Stitcher. Um, thanks, Ulrich. Thank and you, thanks Timothy. thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah. Check out our website, makingmoviesishard.com. And shout out to us on Twitter at MMIH Podcast or send us an email at podcast at com. That's it. Sweet. We will talk to you guys next week.